Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us. My name is John, and I'm the assistant manager of the business science and technology department downstairs. Um, we're here this evening to hear from Dr. Eric Zemering. Dr. Zemering received his PhD in political science from Indiana University, completing a doctoral dissertation entitled Who Collaborates? Local Decisions About Intergovernmental Regulation, uh, Relations. His interest in local government not only led him to study it, but also to become actively involved, having been elected to the Rockford, Michigan City Council, appointed to the Kent County Housing Commission, and serving as the Daily City California Parks and Recreation Commissioner. Dr. Zemering spent time studying governmental interrelations in California, and more recently turned his focus to the implementation of city sustainability plans. He's currently an assistant professor of public policy at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, and has been named a 2013-14 Fulbright Scholar by Fulbright Canada. His work at the University of Ottawa included investigation of how urban sustainability is defined in Canadian cities, with special attention on how social policy and programs are integrated with economic and environmental initiatives. Dr. Zemering recognizes the power in innovative public-private partnerships and their potential for addressing urban sustainability issues and implementing city sustainability plans. His book, Collaborative Strategies for Sustainable Cities, Economy, Environment and Community in Baltimore, examines how urban sustainability is defined in Baltimore. He also looks at the alignment of government and public policy with community organizations and programs to build more sustainable cities and enhance environmental protection, economic development, and quality of life. This evening's event is co-sponsored by Baltimore Greenworks and 1000 Friends of Maryland. There's a sign-up sheet at the back if you'd like to uh, receive more information from those organizations. And I'd like to thank you all for joining us and welcome Dr. Eric Zemering. Thank you so much for coming this evening. I'm sure that you're here because you share some interest or some concern about Baltimore City um, or about sustainability and probably about both of those topics. Uh, it's a true privilege to be here at the Enoch Pratt Free Library, a terrific institution in this city, and I'm so glad that I get to spend some time with you tonight. Uh, I'll spend some time talking about my new book, Collaborative Strategies for Sustainable Cities, um, which was just released this spring by Routledge. And... Uh, I'll also make sure to leave some good time for dialogue and discussion, as I'm sure that you have a voice to share in this discussion about sustainability in Baltimore. Tonight, I hope to make two main points. Sustainability as an idea, as a principle in public discussion today, uh, is kind of a fuzzy principle. It's unclear exactly what we mean when we talk about sustainability. And some people take that to be a problem or a concern that we're not quite sure what we're talking about when we say sustainability. Uh, but I think it's one of the strengths of sustainability. And, and we'll get to that in a, in a few moments. Uh, the second point that I hope to make is that sustainability uh, is not a concern to be isolated to a dedicated staff somewhere away in the corners of City Hall. Sustainability is a concern that should be widely shared within the community. And Baltimore has been an excellent city in which to study sustainability because that's certainly a characteristic of Baltimore. There are many people uh, in all corners of the city that have something to say about sustainability. 
And the work that I assembled for this book uh, is not based on my own voice or my own views on sustainability. I hope that the work reflects the many different voices on sustainability that are present in Baltimore's discussion about the topic. I spent about a year going out to different corners of the city and talking with people about what does sustainability mean to you? How does sustainability come into your work? So what I have to share with you tonight is largely the voice of your friends and neighbors, organizations that you might know of in the city working on environmental concerns, working on economic development, and working on social policy. Sustainability as a principle or an idea um, is usually thought of as something that calls us to a new thinking about the balance between economic development and environmental quality and social well-being within our communities. Frequently when we talk about sustainability, we see some discussion of three pillars or some balance among the pursuit of economic development and economic growth, environmental quality and protection, and social health and civic well-being within communities. Uh, sustainability advances that priority for us and asks us to have a new conversation about how development occurs in our communities. And it's important that we're aware of sustainability because so often our conversations don't focus on those three different sets of ideas or priorities. We have an example here from the Baltimore Sun uh, just last fall, Regulators Delay Work on Harbor Point Plan. And if you were to read the details in this particular newspaper article, as we might see in many other newspaper articles on economic development and environmental policy, we see some tension exists between these two ideas. There's a concern that to the extent that we're taking steps to protect the environment or monitor environmental quality or make sure that we're giving attention to environmental concerns, well, that attention to the environment might inhibit our efforts to pursue economic development. Somehow there's a, a trade-off between growth and economic well-being and environmental quality. And writers and advocates of sustainability ask us to set that dichotomy aside. They ask us to say, these two ideas are not necessarily in tension. Let's think about and have a discussion about how we can pursue both an economically prosperous community and an environmentally thriving community. One challenge with sustainability is that as we've been talking about this idea, this principle, this concept in academic circles, Sometimes we come up with definitions of sustainability that are really complicated and cumbersome. Right? That's what university professors um, lo love to do, make things maybe a little more complicated than they necessarily need to be. Uh, one definition, sustainable cities are those that design and manage their form of governance, economies, built environment, transportation systems, energy and water use, food production, and waste in a manner that imposes the smallest possible footprint upon the environment. Um, this is a definition from Matthew Slavin, actually in a very interesting book on sustainability projects and policies in cities. Um, what this definition brings forward for us, though, is some complication. So when we're talking about sustainability, what exactly will we focus our attention on? It seems like there are so many different things that a city could do in order to be sustainable. We might have some difficulty knowing where we should put our attention at any given point in time. 
Um, so cities begin to have discussions and develop plans to focus their sustainability efforts um, and come down to some more concrete, specific things that they would like to do uh, and implement and give attention to. So often we turn away from these big-picture efforts to define what it means to be sustainable, and we try to have discussions about sustainability in simpler, more pragmatic terms. We would like to know what does sustainability mean for a particular project or a particular effort that we need to undertake in a city. Um, so let's think about a few examples from Baltimore for a, mo a moment. Um, in Baltimore's discussion about sustainability, uh, one thing that people like to talk about is transportation and the ability of people to get around the city. Uh, transportation is something that has economic characteristics, environmental characteristics, and social characteristics, uh, and it provides us an opportunity to think about prioritizing each of those three things together within the city. So some of you may be familiar with the city's Charm City circulator uh, system, which um, runs in continuous and regular circuits uh, through various routes around the downtown. Uh, the Charm City circulator, I think, probably is a good example of a city's effort to take some steps to be more sustainable. Uh, the Charm City circulator uh, allows free, dependable, regular access. Um, so it provides some economic assistance to circulating around the downtown. Um, it, it's, its price is right, uh, right. If we're in the downtown, it's hard to argue with free as a rider. Um, it uh, allows people to get out of their cars. It means that uh, if we're trying to get around the downtown, we might avoid one trip in an automobile and a lengthy search around the block for a parking spot uh, in the interest of, of taking transportation. Another example from Baltimore, um, you've probably seen storm drain stencils if you've been in any corner of the city. Many organizations in the city uh, undertake efforts to um, put these uh, decorative signs near our storm drains to remind people that anything that's going into the storm drain uh, ultimately will drain out to the Chesapeake Bay. So there's a, a reminder that... Um, if we choose to litter, uh, if we choose to dump oil or other substances uh, illegally, that might have some consequence um, for the overall environmental health of our community. When we're talking about sustainability in Baltimore, there might also be some interest in talking about trees, an important environmental feature. Uh, the wonderful map on the left comes from the Baltimore Neighborhood Indicators Alliance, um, and it displays um, some information about where tree ca canopy coverage is high and where tree canopy coverage is low in the city. We see that some neighborhoods, particularly those in northwest Baltimore, um, have good high levels of tree coverage, but we see that tree coverage is not equally distributed across the city. Some of the neighbors uh, near our urban core um, have very very low levels of tree canopy coverage. This is, can be viewed as an environmental concern uh, because these neighborhoods don't have access to um, the environmental benefits that trees might provide. Uh, it could also be viewed as, as a social concern um, as trees are not able to provide uh, things like shading assistance during the wonderfully hot summers that we have here in Baltimore. Um, if you've been outside at all over the last few days, uh, you might think that it would be a wonderful thing uh, if your home might be shaded by some extra tree coverage. Um, so tree coverage is another specific priority or thing that we could focus on in a discussion about uh, sustainability in Baltimore. One more example, vacant housing. Um, 
Often when we're talking about sustainability, it's environmental programs that come to the forefront. But remember, sustainability also asks us to think about social concerns in a city. Well, in Baltimore, a significant social concern is neighborhood health and neighborhood quality, particularly the instance of vacant housing in some neighborhoods and uh, the accompanying problems that might come along with vacant housing within a community. Uh, It's a sign of economic distress for a neighborhood to have um, vacant houses. Uh, There are... uh, Uh, crime and other concerns that might accompany those vacant properties. And uh, many in our community might desire more constructive reuse for vacant properties, um, both for the economic benefit for the city to to return empty structures to productive economic use and taxpaying status, um, but also for the social health and well-being of neighborhoods to know that folks are in the buildings next door. um, They're connected with friends and neighbors, and a community is looking after uh, and caring for itself and, and its neighbors and the structures in that neighborhood. We could have a dialogue about sustainability in Baltimore that focuses on any one of these things. Um, But concerns might begin to arise about how all these pieces knit together in some way, shape, or form. If we have a discussion about sustainability in which some people are working on trees and some people are working on vacant housing and some people are working on transportation challenges... To what extent are we really talking about sustainability? To what extent are we really calling on people to think about the connections between the environmental, economic, and social priorities of the city? And do we have some larger overarching vision about what it means for this community to be a more sustainable place? In other words, is it okay for organizations and individuals to work on their own concerns and priorities Um, Or do we need to have a more integrated and comprehensive discussion about sustainability? This is one of the things that concerned me as I was conducting research on sustainability in Baltimore, because it seems like there's this gap between how we talk about sustainability in urban planning circles or in public policy circles, and how the work uh, work of sustainability is actually conducted by organizations, by people in neighborhoods, and by the grassroots of communities. Um, At the grassroots level and in organizations in the city working on sustainability, we tend to focus on concrete projects and concrete things, uh, whereas in academic discussions about sustainability, we try to think about the big ideas and what definitional strategy or what standard will we put forward in order to say we're achieving a system that's more sustainable. Uh, And through my research in Baltimore, uh, I hope I came to some conclusions that help us understand that uh, it's okay that we have some tension between our grand strategy hopes and aspirations and the actual work of sustainability through concrete projects. Just to give you a quick overview of how I reached some conclusions about what's going on with sustainability in Baltimore, my research entailed elite interviews with 85 different actors in Baltimore working on different dimensions of sustainability. These were people in city government, people working for prominent uh, organizations, people working in neighborhood associations, people working in private sector businesses. I used a social science approach called Q methodology, which I'll tell you a little bit more about in a minute, um, to help better understand how people were thinking about what sustainability means. And I also used used a research technique called social network analysis uh, to do a little investigation of how people were connected in their work or who they were working with when they worked on sustainability. Q methodology is uh, a neat little social science uh, technique. I won't bore you with too many details, but 
As we just said, there are many different policies or priorities we might have when working on sustainability. Um, so to start a conversation to understand what people are talking about, it's good to ask them what they think about all of these different programs or things that a city could do to be sustainable. Um, so on 45 little cards, I wrote down different things that Baltimore seems to be working on to be more sustainable. And these projects came from city policy documents, from media coverage in the Baltimore Sun, um, from documents from community organizations working on sustainability. So we tried to capture the full extent of the conversation that Baltimore was having about sustainability um, around 2009, 2010. With these 45 different statements, I asked the 85 folks that I spoke with to do a little work to sort through these statements. I asked them, what are the most important things Baltimore can do in order to be a more sustainable city? And with each person, we went through a systematic process to say, here are the most important things Baltimore could do to be more sustainable, and here are the least important things that Baltimore can do to be a more sustainable city. And when you have this array of data from 85 different people, you can do a little analysis to come to some clear conclusions about uh, general definitions that exist within the city. And the, re the research showed that people in Baltimore hold about three different definitions of sustainability or three different sets of priorities related to Baltimore being a more sustainable city. One definition of sustainability at work in Baltimore focuses on environmental sustainability and environmental programs. Uh, people who sorted the statements in this way tended to emphasize things like protecting the Chesapeake Bay and local watersheds. They emphasized reducing greenhouse gas emissions planting trees and expanding the urban forest, improving stormwater management, and protecting local habitats and ecological resources. A second set of people emphasized programs and projects that we might associate with um, urban revitalization and economic revitalization. These initiatives including, included revitalizing city neighborhoods, reducing crime, which is a policy priority we don't often think of as associated with sustainability, expanding transit-oriented development, recruiting new business to the city, rehabilitating vacant and abandoned properties. And a third and final definition that emerged from this analysis says that people talking about sustainability may be focused on sustainability as civic health and justice. Uh, people emphasizing this definition of sustainability advocate promoting partnerships among organizations, expanding job training uh, for the unemployed and the underemployed, advocating for the rights and interests of disadvantaged communities in Baltimore, revitalizing city neighborhoods, and encouraging public participation in the city's civic life and politics. So we see kind of three distinct sets of ideas about sustainability at work in Baltimore. Uh, again, this might be a point at which some express a certain level of concern. Um, if we have these three different views on sustainability in the city, um, does this mean that we're going to move in three different directions? Does this mean that um, there is not some opportunity to reconcile our priorities related to the environment and economic development, which are the first two kind of prominent definitions of sustainability that emerge in the research? But when you have deeper, detailed conversations with people in Baltimore, it's very clear that despite these separate definitions of sustainability, there's a lot of dialogue and interaction among individuals and organizations that hold these three different views. Indeed, organizations 
working on sustainability in the city emphasize collaboration. Three examples from some research interviews with Baltimore Greenworks, uh, Christina Newtile. It's creating that overall plan and then getting people to sign up and be on board with helping to move forward each of those pieces. It's partnerships. Charles Murphy with Tree Baltimore. Yeah, it's all about the partnerships. It always has been. And Joseph McNeely with the Central Baltimore Partnership. No city thinks of doing this by itself anymore. Across sets of organizations, there's an emphasis on the need to engage with other actors in the community on goals and policy priorities related to sustainability. Now, we might think, well, who's working together? Is it the organizations that hold common views about sustainability? Are environmental organizations working with environmental organizations? Are economic development organizations working with economic development organizations? Indeed, there is some of that. We would expect, for example, advocates of trees to find in the city other advocates of trees, and we would expect them to work in tight, close-knit partnerships um, around uh, implementing Uh, policies related to tree planting goals and the expansion of the urban tree canopy. However, there's more to the story than that in Baltimore. And that's what makes Baltimore an important city for individuals to study in all corners of the country if they're interested in what it means for a city to be more sustainable. In Baltimore, there are key organizations that help individuals have discussions across their definitions of sustainability that bring people together to understand how a environmental project related to um, reducing impervious surfaces, for example, might also link into social or economic or other community goals. To give you a few examples of these organizations that form partnerships, um, we'll turn to Civic Works as uh, an excellent example. Is anyone here familiar with uh, the work of Civic Works? Okay. So Civic Works is uh, an AmeriCorps program in Baltimore City. And Civic Works, I think, is interesting and important because it's an organization that kind of has a portfolio of many different types of work. So you'll find civic works programs uh, in the field of urban agriculture and gardening. You'll find civic works engaged in economic development and job training. Uh, And you'll find civic works uh, working in several different uh, additional areas. So when we find out who reports working with civic works in Baltimore on some projects related to sustainability, from this graph we see the little green triangles. It indicates they're working with organizations that primary hold, primarily hold environmental views about sustainability. Um, the blue trying, uh, squares indicate there are organizations that primarily have an economic development view of sustainability. Um, the red triangle in the middle is an organization that um, is more closely associated with uh, a social and civic view of sustainability. So within our community, we can find certain sets of organizations that bring together many different actors who hold different perspectives on sustainability. Uh, One of the reasons that I titled my book Collaborative Strategies for Sustainable Cities is that we have organizations inside and outside of government in Baltimore who invest in developing some thought leadership and some capacity to have discussions that bring people together. They formulate projects that integrate the economic, the social, and the environmental perspectives on sustainability. Uh, Just to make the argument that this work 
of bringing together different definitions of sustainability is not limited to non-governmental organizations. We see governmental organizations at the center of these efforts also. So, for example, many people report working with the Baltimore City public schools on efforts to be more sustainable. If we think about a sustainable future for Baltimore, it's hard not to think about education or talk about the role of education in that future. And we see tight connections have begun to form between the city's Office of Sustainability and staff at the Baltimore City Public Schools who are also taking on responsibility for sustainability. Uh, Within the public school system, the schools have created a small grant program so individual schools can apply for small pools of funding in order to uh, have programs at the school level that speak to some uh, sustainability concern, uh, be it enhanced recycling efforts uh, or some type of an environmental cleanup uh, at the program or or outdoor enhancements at a school property. Uh, We see science organizations in the community like the uh, Carnegie Institution and the BioEyes program, working with teachers in the Baltimore City Public Schools to bring science education uh, into the classroom through real-world experiences that help students learn more about watersheds and our local ecological systems in Baltimore. Uh, So, Organizations like the Baltimore City Public Schools serve as a focal point for different organizations to come together and have some discussion about how sustainability and the idea of economic progress, environmental progress, and social progress can be integrated into a discussion and how that in turn relates to educating our school children and promoting physical spaces in our schools that will be more sustainable for future generations. We might conclude by asking, well, what role does city government play in all of this then? In many cities, city governments are key, critical actors in sustainability efforts. And in Baltimore, I would agree that the city government plays a critical role in the sustainable future of the city. Uh, The city engaged in an extensive public policy discussion around 2008 and 2009 um, with key figures in the city agreeing that sustainability was going to be something that Baltimore would systematically put on the public agenda. Um, The city had a discussion about green building programs uh, and green building policies, and gradually that evolved into the creation of an office of sustainability and the development and expansion of a staff in City Hall responsible for sustainability efforts. The city also created a commission on sustainability, Uh, and many of those uh, commission members uh, were interviewed at some point in connection with this research. And the commission on sustainability helps the city engage in uh, a public discussion about what it means for Baltimore to be a more sustainable place. We see Baltimore taking sustainability seriously in the institutions of city government. That can be very important because the city... And the city's sustainability policy in some ways become a focusing point for the overall community's questions and concerns and dialogue about sustainability. One example of this, many people working on sustainability in the city noted that mayoral leadership on sustainability is critical. And they pointed to Mayor Sheila Dixon as someone who cared about sustainability and said that sustainability would be a priority for her administration in city government. And some expressed concern that when Mayor Dixon left City Hall, 
and Mayor Rawlings Blake came into City Hall, that maybe that commitment to sustainability would not be maintained or it wouldn't be maintained in the same way. Uh, and some environmental organizations in the city would probably like Mayor Rawlings Blake to spend more time talking about sustainability in the ways that they talk about environmental sustainability. But we also notice that many organizations in the city are very aware of Mayor Rawlings Blake emphasis on growing the population in Baltimore. She has the ambitious goal of adding 10,000 new families to Baltimore. And indeed, we've seen some indicators of growth in certain parts of the city population uh, increases, which is promising. Many organizations are aware of that mayoral goal. So we see an increased effort to explain how things like environmental investments relate to the goal of recruiting and attracting 10,000 new families to Baltimore. So mayoral leadership becomes important because the mayor sets out some key symbolic policy goals for the community, and many actors involved in the discussion about sustainability in part are responsive to those mayoral goals. And they would like to explain how all of these partnerships that we see within the city of Baltimore can contribute to the goal that the mayor has for making the city more sustainable through population growth. I think that to conclude the conversation today, we need to say that each and every one of us in some way plays a role in Baltimore's discussion about sustainability. Many voices in the community will determine the city's sustainable course for the future. And I'd like to read one observation uh, from near the conclusion of the book. Uh, again, not my own words, not my own analysis, but a perspective that comes from someone who's actually working very hard to make sustainability real and salient within our community. Reading from page 118 of the book. Those in Baltimore responsible for implementing sustainability programs also emphasize that the relationships they form with individuals and organizations are not one-shot or short-term propositions. The work of becoming more sustainable requires ongoing attention and improvement. Describing her work, Elisa Oshri, sustainability manager at The Associated, explains that a common misconception with sustainability programs is that they will have a clear end date or a conclusion. According to Oshri, people ask, so you're doing all this great stuff, but when is it over? She goes on to explain, and there is no over. She continues, sustainability is something that, although it does not need to be continuously, although it does need to be continuously evaluated in terms of your impact or your outcomes, your next steps are revising objectives and creating new goals for outcomes. There is no end. It's not over. I believe this is a critical perspective to have on sustainability for Baltimore or for any other city working on sustainability today. As sustainability has become popular in city government, we see that sustainability is something that's measured and reported on. Cities have websites to indicate that we're doing well on sustainability. We're achieving 50% of our goals in this area. We're achieving 75% of our goals in this area. We've made this very clear quantitative improvement on this set of indicators. Indicators are critical. They're important because they give us some sense of accountability in government. They let us know what our organizations, our public institutions are doing and how they're working for us. 
But those indicators also cause some potential challenges or problems for us because they give us some sense that there's a green light, a 100% to be achieved on a particular environmental or social goal. But if we're having a dialogue about sustainability, we're having a dialogue about an idea, about a balance among these perspectives on what the future of our community needs to look like. And I think it would be very strange to say that at any point we've arrived at the future of our community. The future of our community consistently remains in the future, ahead of us. So sustainability, I think, will continue to be an important idea for communities. It will be something that community actors, civic organizations, neighborhood associations, non-governmental organizations will need to engage in. And they'll need to engage in this topic even if their city governments are taking important steps toward making the city more sustainable. Because while we're tempted to move our indicators toward success and declare victory, in many ways, sustainability is about having that ongoing discussion. And it's about having that ongoing discussion in collaboration and in partnership. Hopefully I've preserved time for us to have dialogue and conversation because uh, I hope it's clear that I believe the dialogue and the conversation is, is critical to our ability to achieve more sustainable communities. To that end, I hope to hear your perspectives on this topic, how you're working to make Baltimore more sustainable, um, and what other question, whatever questions or observations you may have. Thank you so much for your attention. And as we do the questions, if we can pass this microphone, that will let us uh, record your voices as well as the responses. Thank you very much. Um, My husband and I just moved here uh, two years ago from Hawaii. And, um, yeah, for the weather. (laughs) That's what we tell everybody. (laughs) Aloha. Aloha. Uh, Actually, um, Baltimore was picked out of ten cities that we went through with certain criteria. So, (laughs) Baltimore is paradise. Who knew? Um, Actually, there are a couple of things I'd like to to address here. Through Baltimore Heritage, we hooked on, were latched on to a group called Terra Logo, and which was a environmentally uh, friendly group to come into your home, and for $100, they did a complete overview of your energy needs and that kind of thing. They did so, and it was very, very um, worthwhile. Subsequently, that uh, Terra Logo has gone under, and then the mm-hmm. company that absorbed them has gone under, mm-hmm. and now there is a third company. I have two thoughts to share with you about this. One, most of the people in my neighborhood in Otterbein had no idea to begin with about Terra Logos, mm-hmm. which is why are they doing such a poor job, the city and the state, to inform people of this availability? And two, the fact that they're going under does not bode well mm-hmm. for our um, infrastructure. Mm-hmm. That's my comment. An important question and an important observation. Uh, for many in Baltimore, focused on that center definition around economic development and community revitalization, uh, energy efficiency uh, has actually been a critical part of that dialogue, uh, something that can make our individual homes more economically sustainable is attention to the amount of money that we 're investing in heating and cooling um, and the energy efficiency characteristics uh, of our homes. 
You know, this is a really interesting time, I think, in environmental policy in cities and in the industries in the private sector or in the nonprofit sector that are going to cater to and support our emerging interests in um, making our own homes more sustainable. So we see a number of neighborhood organizations in Baltimore linking up with nonprofit organizations to provide some of these energy efficiency services for free. We see some private sector firms also trying to provide these same services. We see, to some level, a lot of competition in this area right now. And we also see some organizations, uh, like some of the programs from Civic Works, also trying to inform people and engage in public education to help people understand there's some value in undertaking energy efficiency efforts. Uh, I don't think there's any clear answer to this right now, and there are probably going to be a number of organizations in the years ahead that emerge, um, experience success, or fail, uh, and don't continue in their existence. Um, it's kind of a, a time of a lot of percolation, I think, in the industries and the services that are going to emerge. And we also see some uncertainty as to is this effort going to be something that the private sector is going to do, or is this something that the nonprofit sector is going to do? And actually, in the discussions, I, I hear a lot of concern about that, particularly among those who are attempting to build some type of in, a business model around an environmentally friendly idea or service. They're saying in some instances, look, I'm trying to do this, and I'm trying to do this to turn a profit and you know get a paycheck and provide for my family. Um, but... I just found out there's a nonprofit organization that's doing the same thing and they got a big grant to do it. I can't write a grant because I'm a business and I'm trying to do it on a business model. So I think energy efficiency is an example. We're probably engaged in a period of time right now as uh, sustainability is on the upward tick on the public agenda where we're going to have some of this uh, tension and circulation and emergence and decline of organizations working on some specific efforts like energy efficiency. Thank you very much for a good presentation. You mentioned earlier in your presentation about community gardening. Uh, it is a wonderful idea. Uh, we have a lot of farmers markets, you know, downtown, throughout parts of the city and so forth. But some neighborhoods don't have their own supermarkets or grocery stores. There's only so much you can do when you could, if, you, if you're skilled in gardening or know someone who's doing gardening, you can grow some vegetables and so forth, but you need food to survive. Mm -hmm. And how do you balance out between, on the one hand, on the environmental level, community gardening and uh, farmer's market with all those good wholesome products, and on the other hand, on a daily basis, a, a supermarket, food for family, uh, reasonable prices, quality service, mm -hmm. because you've got the business on one hand, the environment on the other hand. Where do you see the, um, the balance in this? This is a, a critical question, and more and more attention is being given to that intersection between environmental quality and public health. Uh, increasingly, environmental policy in our cities is getting attention not just because we like trees or green things or want to protect the environment for future generations, but because we acknowledge that by undertaking some environmentally responsible behaviors, we're actually doing something to help ourselves, to help our friends, and help our neighbors live healthier lives. And 
the problem of food and food access really is central to that. It's uh, something that I talk about at a few places in the book. In Baltimore, there are several interesting uh, initiatives or programs going on around food access and community gardening. Again, Civic Works uh, is doing some work around that with the garden that they run and operate. Um, There's a program at Johns Hopkins also that has done a variety of interesting uh, interventions or uh, experiments to test how Uh, Food can be introduced into markets, uh, corner stores in neighborhoods that don't traditionally have access to fruits and vegetables in in healthy foods. Um, So I think that we'll need to continue to look toward institutions like Hopkins to provide some um, community analysis and policy analysis to help us better understand how some of those interventions um, can lead to better public policy um, to target resources toward those neighborhoods that really need to develop um, better um, food access and food resources. I would also say uh, on community gardening, the University of Maryland Extension Office in Baltimore does a lot of work with um, individual gardeners, the the Master Gardeners Program, uh, and they do a lot of fantastic work to invest in people's understanding of uh, what it takes to garden in the urban context. Um, In cities with legacies of industry and and pollution, you don't necessarily want to go plant carrots in the ground unless you know where that ground has been um, for the last... 10, 15, 20, 50, 75 years, right? Um, it's a little different if uh, maybe you're out uh, in the countryside in the middle of nowhere and you can have some sense that this ground hasn't been used for other purposes in the past. Um, so the University of Maryland Extension Office does some great work to help people think about, well, you need to think about the soil, the quality of your soil, and then perhaps think about what works best on very small row home backyards or back decks and container planters, um, so increasingly, uh, organizations, um, again, outside of, uh, outside of um, city government, uh, are helping build some connections within the community to have better discussions about issues like food quality and food access. I'm sorry to, to take away, but I just wanted to say very quickly a wonderful example of that if anyone is from or is familiar with the neighborhood of Pigtown, or I think it's Washington Village technically now. Uh, there's a, a grocery store there. Exactly. <laughs> there's a grocery store now, Price Right, a really lovely new grocery store. And uh, I don't know the details of the story. I apologize. But from what I understand, a very active community organization connected with a couple of graduate students from UMBC. And they mm-hmm. collectively pulled their mm-hmm. resources and their efforts. And now they have this grocery store. And it's, it's a large, beautiful grocery store with very affordable pricing, a very large fresh produce section, mm-hmm. and a lot of healthy options. So that's a really wonderful success story mm-hmm. to the point you were speaking about. And, and thank you for that interjection, uh, because I feel like um, part of the benefit and joy that I had in writing this book was uncovering all of these fantastic programs and initiatives that are going on within the city. And I think the more that we have discussions and highlight these examples, the more that we know, oh, there are these wonderful things going on in different neighborhoods in Baltimore. And there are a number of great initiatives and great projects out there that could probably be replicated productively, fruitfully in other neighborhoods in Baltimore. Um, in some ways, intermediary organizations that bring people together, like Civic Works, Parks and People, um, can help build those connections. But we need to we need to engage in this dialogue together also and share these examples and um, let let folks know what's going on. And also to that, um, I'm actually a geography major at UMBC. Fantastic. And I did my um, uh, project this last spring, uh, looking at 
food access, food deserts in Baltimore City um, in relation to the available lots that the city is making available for people to adopt. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you look at it's it's a very obvious connection that where there are low-income neighborhoods, there are a lot of vacant lots, there is a lot of access. Um, and, I mean, of course, there's a lot of people that are working two jobs and barely making it, so they don't have a whole lot of time to go out and garden. But there is a lot of that happening, more and more happening. Um, the Power and Dirt program, which I'm working on at Parks and People this... Mm-hmm. Hi, how's it going, Parks and People people? Um, <laughs> this, uh, this summer, and then Sea Green does a lot of work helping people, like you said, with the Maryland Extension, to know where to plant, what to plant, how to do it gives them the training, the tools, the access. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if people are willing to, to go out and get it, the, the resources are there if mm-hmm. they have the time. Mm-hmm. And I should say, by highlighting Civic Works is one example in my talk, I do that only for the purpose of, um, you know, making sure that I kept myself time-limited so folks in the room did not fall asleep. I hope that if you'll take a look at the book, you'll see that there are a number of organizations, like the Parks and People Foundation, if there's a representation from them here. Uh, fantastic. They, they are another excellent organization that does that type of intermediary work. They work on the environmental programs, but often there are social and economic dimensions to that work also. And their partnerships span beyond just other environmental organizations. They connect into uh, people who hold different views about sustainability. So th- those partnerships are critical. Hi. Um, I, first, I wanted to say thank you for your study. It's, it's very interesting. Um, I think something that we in Baltimore are really excited about is the, the actions of, of neighborhoods and, and these sort of grassroots community groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, the, over the last few years, I've, I've observed a growing trend in the revitalization column toward a bureaucracy. You, know, you're, you're, you mentioned all these new offices in mm-hmm. City Hall and, and partnerships. And so many of those are really directed by, by corporate partnerships. And I think that my concern uh, is that as it goes away from, from individuals who obviously these actors you talk about really mm-hmm. making these decisions mm-hmm. and having a hand in decision making, shifting over to a, a bureaucracy that's, that's, that has more of a sense of, of sustainability of its own kind of structure, mm-hmm. um, that, there become, that there comes a responsibility to really invite um, um, consultants, celebrity designers, um, great thinkers like you into the process. And I observe that in other cities, great cities, but I'm not seeing it here in Baltimore. And I was wondering if you could speak on that hmm. or if you heard, uh, you saw that uh, reflected in your study of, of your actors. You know, where is the big wow happening in the level, in, um, as far as, um, you know, inviting people into our city to do something really extraordinary? Hmm. Um, from a central perspective. Mm-hmm. That's a challenging question. Um, I want to be a little cautious in how I answer that um, because I don't know that I want to embrace uh, kind of a, a top-down is better or a bottom-up is better argument. I think in working towards sustainable communities, we need both of those things going on. We need folks at City Hall who are focused on sustainability. We, we need an office of sustainability. Uh, but we also need the grassroots, bottom-up efforts, building up, uh, having community discussions that are going to pool people together around goals that are ambitious and exciting for individual communities or on a citywide basis. Um, 
the city of Baltimore did quite a, quite a lot of community engagement uh, early on in the sustainability efforts um, in um, charrettes or community forums or in venues to bring people together around discussions about um, what the sustainability sh- plan should look like, what the city's sustainability goals should look like. Um, I, I think some of the challenges cities have is after they've engaged the public toward a dialogue on sustainability, there's some sense of, well, what do we need to do to continue to have people engaged? So I think that that is an ongoing uh, challenge for cities and communities. Um, And we also see now that there are infusions of external resources around sustainability. Um, So the Baltimore Metropolitan Council, for example, has some funding um, from, I believe, HUD and the federal government uh, around sustainability goals and priorities uh, in the city. And to my understanding, if I remember this correctly, some of that will be focused around transportation. As the federal government becomes more interested in sustainability, and as we might have the infusion of federal or state-level resources we might have more opportunities for big, bold projects to develop around sustainability. Um, the challenge for those projects is going to be to continue to maintain this balance or this interaction of true and authentic community engagement. Uh, in you know, reading about decades of public policy research, I don't know that we've ever struck the perfect or the right balance on what government does centrally, bureaucratically, versus what communities do from a bottom-up grassroots perspective. I hope that I'm addressing your question in some way, um, but I I think the answer is unsatisfying. And I I think the answer is um, it's a struggle, and we're probably going to continue to struggle with having both of those things and trying to um, encourage some vigor in both bureaucratic and decentralized approaches. I would agree with that just because it's nice to have the support from the city and have those mm-hmm. offices. But at the same time, the neighborhoods are so different in Baltimore that there isn't a one size fits all solution. Um, and I know with parks and people, we try to go really intensely into the neighborhoods we work in and do long term projects and not just put stuff in and then leave the next year and get to know what the community wants there because what might make sense in one spot that has a lot of vacant lots might not make sense in a different neighborhood that has more education needs or they want to get their students involved um you know some neighborhoods really want street trees and some don't it's surprising Mm -hmm. sometimes um so i think it is a really targeted approach works really well i don't know if you guys have anything to add to that Um, i um like to address the the point a bit um I have problems with the word sustainability because it means keeping things as they are in my translation. Uh, and I think the excitement needs to come you know, not only with more public relations, but I think maybe creating a more futuristic term of saying mm-hmm. going forward, I don't have the term, but I think the word sustainability doesn't do for me you know, what we are talking about because we're talking about the future. Mm-hmm. And we're saying, oh, we want to keep everything the way it is mm-hmm. uh, for the you know, average pedestrian understanding of the word. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to think of um, we have more to offer, and the goals are future goals. So we need to sort of create more spark, I think. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that sentiment, and I think that you'll find a, a lot of people in Baltimore probably appreciate that sentiment also. Um, m- many people 
when I asked the question, what are the most important things Baltimore can do to be a more sustainable city, expressed that level of discomfort with sustainability because they said, well, you know, we're talking about sustainability, but we'd rather talk about resilience uh, or we'd rather talk about thriving or we'd rather talk about uh, some other word that calls us toward that future-oriented discussion. Uh, I think sustainability has probably found that place in cities right now because it's part of a renewed attention and a renewed emphasis on on the environment. Um, And I think that that um, is a very positive and important thing that we're thinking about how the environment fits into our conversation about growth and development in cities. Um, but I think many people would agree that yes, sustainability and the environmental sustainability of a city is a critical part of our dialogue, but environmental sustainability is something that can come along with, uh, economic improvement and economic growth. Um, and it can come along with improving social health and social well-being. And it can go along with improving neighborhood quality and civic connectedness. Um, so I, I, I certainly agree that um, we, we could use other words. Um, some people are passionate advocates of the term. Um, I, I'm, I'm happy to, to engage with other terms or ideas. Um, what I've really tried to do in the book is to reassure people that um, even if we're talking about sustainability in different ways, we can find some common ground and we can probably find some points to agree that even though we think about this in slightly different ways, we still have ambitious hopes for the future. And I hope that's what I hear in your comment. I think you want us to have ambitious hopes. Dr. Zimmerman. Um Two questions. One, I think you began this research before you were in the Baltimore area, and so I wondered why Baltimore, and the, <laughs> if I'm correct in the assumption. Mm-hmm. And the other question is, uh, how does Baltimore compare to Ottawa in having diverse views of sustainability and um, trying to work out the tension between centralized solutions and actions and neighborhood, more decentralized mm-hmm. ones. Mm-hmm. What, what can we learn from Ottawa? What could they learn from us? Mm-hmm. Uh, both good, interesting questions. Um, it must come from a UMBC student, <laughs> a wonderful UMBC student. Um, why Baltimore? Uh, we need to study sustainability or these types of policies and challenges in places like Baltimore. Uh, If we go out and look for uh, policy success stories, case studies that we might want to emulate, uh, best practices, uh, for lack of a better term, on sustainability policy in cities, we tend to read a lot of the same examples from Portland, San Francisco, Seattle, and our friends out on the West Coast. I love the West Coast. You know, I lived in the the Bay Area for four years. There are great things to say about San Francisco and and Bay Area cities and some of the things that they do. Um, Kent Portney, in one of the early books on sustainability policies in cities, um, took the approach of looking at cities that were developing sustainability plans and doing aggressive things. And he said, these are important cities to look at. But one thing he said in his book was, but... 
we need to look at this in a wider array of cities. We need to look at this in cities that aren't as economically well off. We need to look at it in the cities that may be dealing with population decline rather than population growth. Uh, And if we look at other recent case study uh, investigations of sustainability lately, we don't see a lot of attention toward cities with those characteristics. We need to talk about Baltimore's sustainability efforts uh, because Baltimore is doing some cool things on the one hand, but also because Baltimore has some significant challenges. And part of what makes the success interesting is the scope of the work that needs to be done, the scope of the challenges that exist in the city, the level of uh, economic and and social need and environmental need. Um, And I think that that context uh, provides a good venue for more actors in the community to put forward some ambitious goals and say, we're going to think seriously about these challenges and we're going to make a difference. Uh, and I, I particularly see that among the non-governmental organizations of the community that are attracting kind of millennial age workers in particular out of, out of colleges who are saying, um, you could go to some place that's, you know, fancy and developed and, um, you know, has, has all the answers, or you could work to make a real serious difference. Uh, and there are a lot of organizations in Baltimore trying to make that real serious difference. Uh, how does Baltimore compare to Ottawa or all variety of other cities working on sustainability? Um, Ottawa's interesting in that they kind of had an office of sustainability, but then decided rather than having an office, they would diffuse sustainability as a priority across city departments. Um, so there's no more kind of central contact point. Um, it's a different organizational structure. We see lots of cities making different organizational choices about in-city government, who's going to be responsible for sustainability. Some people in Ottawa are uh, discontent or disappointed with that approach. Uh, you hear some sharp critique of that because there's not that center contact point or that vision point that can have the unifying discussion about about strategy in the future. In Ottawa, we also see a number of non-governmental organizations that are trying to work on different aspects or different definitions of sustainability. Ottawa perhaps has a few additional challenges that Baltimore does not have in that they have a provincial border um, right next door to their city. So it doesn't only matter what's going on in Ottawa, it matters what's going on across the river in Gatineau, Quebec. Um, So it's two sets of... um, uh, uh, provincial enabling policy uh, in addition to the local dialogues about the environment and, and economic development. In my book, I chose to limit my attention to Baltimore City, things that are going on within the confines of this political jurisdiction. Uh, I think that is something important for our conversation here, though. Uh, sustainability in Baltimore needs to matter beyond the borders of, of Baltimore City. Also, Baltimore County um, should probably more, be more engaged and interconnected with the city on many of these issues. Many of the watershed organizations that exist don't think about the political borders. They think about the, the ecological borders of the problems that they're trying to address. Um, so in Baltimore, we're probably going to need to continue to work more on different and interesting scales on, on these problems. I um, to interject about a community land trust garden. Back in the World War II, they called them victory gardens. Mm-hmm. And this is Mama Rose, um, who's at Greenmont West, by the uh, North Avenue Rite Aid. There's a very nice little garden in the back that if anyone wants to, you know, see that. But the land is owned by the community. (laughs) What is the trend in other cities? Are are they – I know, like, I heard that, like, Asheville is taking their housing and has made it into a community land bank. Uh, Did you address 
any of that with the land trust, you know, like making community um, affordable housing for the artists, like in Boulder, Colorado, or mm-hmm. uh, Burlington, Vermont, have you addressed mm-hmm. any of those issues? Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is kind of an interesting question, and I hear the question around both the community agriculture and then potentially around the housing and um, fostering affordable housing environments um, within within our cities. Um, certainly, both of those things are are part of the sustainability discussion in Baltimore. Um, and in Baltimore, there is the excellent uh, Power and Dirt program that was um, mentioned uh, earlier uh, that tries to connect neighborhoods with uh, particular lots that are available within their communities for a adoption. Uh, and Power and Dirt works with non-governmental organizations in different um, sectors in the city in order to uh, provide some support and um, make sure that people who are investing in those properties um, can navigate the maze of bureaucracy at City Hall that they might need to uh, for t- simple tasks like getting the water turned on so that they can water whatever is they're growing um, and, uh, and all variety of other things. <laughs> yes. All variety of great water challenges in Baltimore, right? Um, so there, there are different there are different approaches that can be undertaken to community gardening, um, and I think the challenge for any community is going to be uh, developing a robust mix of approaches to addressing any particular problem. Uh, so we can see government investments in a particular area. Government has some role to play. City government has some role to play in community gardening because they need to have their side of the column straight to clearly identify properties and lots that are available for adoption. They need to have clear coordination between the Department of Public Works. Uh, they need liaisons to organizations that are aiding uh, gardeners in getting access uh, to those lots. There's a non-governmental role in um, kind of building civic capacities within communities and coming alongside neighbors to say, what do you envision? What, what would you like for this vacant property, this land within your community? We're not going to tell you what to do. We want to engage in the discussion with you to understand how do you want to reimagine this property. Um, and, and I think some of the same goes for redevelopment questions. Um, you know, in Baltimore, the Baltimore Main Streets program does excellent work working with particular neighborhoods and communities within the city um, to dialogue with and engage with local business districts uh, in different uh, geographic areas in the city. Uh, and they very much work on the basis of what those those businesses um, and those merchants uh, and those entrepreneurs envision for the future of their, their business districts. Um, so I, I don't know that there's one model um, or mix of governmental, non-governmental, private sector support, that is the answer. Uh, I think it, it takes the collaboration and the multi-sector approach to, to move these things forward. Hi. Um, I just, uh, the, the idea of vision and money, uh, these two things just came to my mind in terms of, I've done some stuff in Nicaragua and um, there, there was just some problems with poverty in, in rural Nicaragua, and uh, thanks to the contribution of some churches and synods, uh, things called risk reduction, they seem to just, it, it just not a whole lot of money, but it's amazing what seems to be happening there. And um, mm-hmm. here in Baltimore, uh, Dan Rodericks has interviewed, has some interviews on uh, transportation issues, and there's mm-hmm. a German gentleman, I'm blanking on his name, but mm-hmm. uh, Klaus... Yeah, I mean, he's he's talked about uh, mm-hmm. uh, 
stagnating in traffic. And I, I've been mm-hmm. fighting traffic on like Lombard or Pratt on, a, on an afternoon. And mm-hmm. just gigantic. Uh, mm-hmm. And people wasting their time. Well, anyway, mm-hmm. I mean, we have a bunch of good universities in this area uh, with a lot of expertise. It just seems like there should be some kind of consortium. And maybe there is something like this mm-hmm. where UMBC, Hopkins... Mm-hmm. Loyola, University of Maryland, etc., and get together and with mm-hmm. the leadership of our city and say, look, this is a plan we need to uh, face for the next 50 years. I mean, we haven't even talked about mm-hmm. global warming and the rise in sea level. They're talking mm-hmm. about that in the New York Times in Norfolk and the danger to our ports or naval mm-hmm. things, 39-inch increase in water level in mm-hmm. 50 to 100 years. So there's some big, obviously big issues that we need to face for the future mm-hmm. and um, our intellectual and academic institutes should unite and try to prepare a plan, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll, em- I'll embrace that sentiment. I don't know that I need to, to say much in response to that, uh, except that, uh, y- yes, indeed, there's, there's room for much more discussion there. Of all of the topics that I talked about with people related to sustainability in Baltimore, transportation really was the thorniest. Uh, it seems like it is the area in which we have lots of ideas about what needs to be done. We personally experience the problem in diverse and infuriating ways on a daily basis. Uh, But the answer isn't entirely clear. And so many of the answers seem to require significant investments in in funding. Uh, And there are, I think, hopeful projects on the horizon. I think the discussion about uh, red line uh, rail development um, will be important. I think that has the potential to uh, change neighborhoods around the corridor that that rail will run. Uh, but, you know, just last week I was thinking about, you know, is it is it possible to get from my uh, home in Owings Mills uh, to the library by public transit in any non-infuriating way? Um, and I called Super Shuttle. Um, because, sure, theoretically on paper, I can do it in probably a little over two hours. Um, It should be easier. There should be more connections among our transit systems, and that's one of the big things that I hear as a point of frustration in Baltimore, and it's a unique challenge for Baltimore that the state plays such a significant role in public transportation in the city and that the city plays such a relatively minimal role. Uh, So here's an area in which leadership is probably necessary, and it's not just Baltimore leadership. It's probably leadership from Annapolis and the state capitol as well. Um, Again, of all the problems, probably among the most frustrating that I I heard sentiments from in, in the research interviews that I conducted. And I mean, I, I think in, in some ways it doesn't even require huge changes. It just needs to work the way it's supposed to work. <laughs> I mean, I, I take the 35 back and forth from UMBC to, you know, right around the corner here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I will sit there and I will wait for 45 minutes for an hour. And then mm-hmm. two or three mm-hmm. 35s will show up at the same time. Mm-hmm. And this is not like a once a month thing. This happens mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, they just, they just don't get their schedules right. And mm-hmm. it's the same thing with the circulator. You'll see you know, two or three of them come at the same time. So a lot of mm-hmm. it's just getting the system in place to work right. So it, mm-hmm. it doesn't require a huge overhaul. I have a suggestion, which I tell 
people all the time. If the politicians had to depend on the circulator bus to get to work every day, my husband and I don't own a car in the city. If, they, if the politicians had to use mass transportation, you would see a mass change. Um, uh, you presented uh, a lot of um, um, the bright side of sustainability and collaboration. Uh, there, mm -hmm. uh, those words are the very good words, I think. But um, I'm curious to know about um, uh, if there is uh, challenges to um, collaboration yeah. and any conflicts between the uh, different priorities, uh, such as um, um, urban rebuilding or and environmental sustainability? Mm -hmm. yeah. Very good question, important question. Um, one thing that's very handy about the analysis uh, presented in the book is that we see the policies that people highlight at the top of their list. Here are the most important things that we can do. The challenge with the environmental and the urban rebuilding definitions of sustainability is that some of the things ranked highest among the environmental sustainability definition advocates or holders are some of the things ranked significantly lower by those who embrace the urban rebuilding uh, definition or vision of sustainability. Part of that is just definitional. If I'm going to say some things are important, I have to lower other things, lower other things down the list. I might not be hostile to those things, but I'm going to place my priorities with the items at the top of the list. Uh, but if we aren't passionate enough to lift those things to the top of the list, we might not be passionate enough to actually invest and do something about that. I think increasingly, though, in Baltimore, we're seeing people who hold different views about sustainability um, have opportunities for dialogue. Uh, so even if they do not embrace the other view, they at least begin to better understand and, uh, and appreciate uh, that, that view. Something that the analysis presented in the book helps us do are identify areas in which people who hold different views feel roughly the same way about certain policies. So as we go across that list of 45 policies, one thing that the book does is highlight here are specific policies or initiatives on which there's some level of consensus across these definitions of sustainability. There are certain things like addressing vacant and abandoned properties that people believe are critical from an economic, from an environmental, and from a social perspective. And I hope that presenting that information will be helpful to the Commission on Sustainability, to people in the Sustainability Office, to organizations working on sustainability in the community. Because we can begin to see, sure, there are areas on which we may disagree and we may think differently. I may think this is critical, and you may think that it, it's just not important at all. But there are a set of ideas that we have some similar values on. And I hope that that can help provide um, more opportunity for constructive dialogue among people who, who hold different views. Um, 
I think that the academic community can play an important role in facilitating some of those uh, discussions. Uh, our universities can, can play some role in that. Um, organizations that bring people together for discussions around these issues, the Office of Sustainability, um, some of the speakers series hosted by um, Greenworks and other organizations um, can create good space where people can come together and say, you know, even though we hold some different views about whether we need to address crime or whether we need to address trees, um, there are probably other things on which we can agree and we can structure some cooperation. So we'll end on that note then. Um, please express your appreciation to Dr. Zimmer for joining us this evening. I'll thank you all for your, your time and attention. One more time again, it's Collaborative Strategies for Sustainable Cities. Right now, it's in hardcover, um, and hardcovers are expensive, but I, I hope the paperback will be out in the future and more accessible. Otherwise, perhaps the Enoch Pratt Free Library is an excellent place to check out the book uh, and do some reading. I hope you'll, um, you'll mention it kindly to your friends uh, and tweet about it later tonight. Yeah.